You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneurnetwork.com podcast, the voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. This is Women in Leadership Podcast, featuring success insights from women around the globe. Now, over to your host, Anne Marie Cross. Welcome to another episode of Women in Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Anne Marie Cross, the Podcasting Queen, and this is episode 85. Now, today's guest says when you talk to yourself the way that you would talk to your best friend, you are practicing radical self care with compassion and love. And joining me on today's show is Christina Hallett. Christina is a practicing board certified clinical psychologist. She's an associate professor of psychology, a speaker, executive coach, shaman, and author of Own Best Friend, Eight Steps to a Life of Purpose, Passion, and Ease. Now, because Christina has a professional and academic background in psychology, she knows the neuroscience and the data behind changing the ways we think and respond. But it's her 55 years of experience living as a woman and battling her inner doubts and her demons that makes the professional knowledge real. Now on today's show, Christina's going to share fear and stress are universal experiences, but they don't have to control our lives. She's going to talk about how we talk to ourselves inside our own head has everything to do with how we interact with others, the success we do have or maybe don't have, as well as whether or not we are having a life that we're living that we really are happy with. Also, she's going to talk about how we can rewire our brain to stop comparing and start enjoying life through small, repeatable practices and so much more. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be with you. Everything that uh, I read, uh, you know, as uh, part of your bio, the the ups, the downs, the inner critic, I think we can all relate to that. No matter how old we are, the stage that we are in our business or in our leadership role, if we're in corporate. So really looking forward uh, to the insights you're going to, to share today. From your background, this has always been something that you've been fascinated with and and therefore studied and and now bring forward working with clients and and obviously women, something you've always enjoyed doing? Absolutely. You know, actually, when I was 12 years old, Mm -hmm. I was the first female caddy at our local golf course. Wow. Right? I know. (laughs) And here's the quick story about that. So I showed up for a training to be a caddy. And the caddy master, there was about, I don't know, 25 or so other young men there with me around Mm -hmm. the same age. And the caddy master looked at me and he said, why are you here? And I said, I want to be a caddy. And he said, because, you know, 12 years old, like, what can you get for a job, right? Yeah, yeah. And he said, but you're a girl. And I said, I know that. (laughs) And I want to be a caddy. (laughs) Right. And truthfully, he did not want me to stay. And I just refused to leave. And I said, come on, like, I, I can do this, yes. you know, and it took weeks before I was actually able to go out. And literally, I would get there every morning at 530 in the morning, and I'd wait until two in the afternoon, and they wouldn't send me out. And then finally, one day, there were no mail caddies left, there were no carts left, there were no pull carts left. And there was a woman who wanted to go play golf, and she didn't want to carry her bag. And the uh, caddy master said, hey, there's nothing I can do. She's like, well, why can't I have that caddy? And sort of pointed downhill Mm. where I was. And he said, she's a girl. And literally the woman said, bless her soul. She said, well, can she carry my bag? Because I want to play golf. 
and so you know really since then i mean it's always been part of my passion mm. is to be able to empower myself and other women in particular people mm -hmm. right it's, i don't want to leave out men but really women to say you know what if there's something i want to do if there's something i want to achieve absolutely go for it it is absolutely in our wheelhouse and something we can do yeah absolutely and i love that uh, you know your character there was something about your attitude that is it so i yeah i'm a girl i mean how many of us hear things whether it's in conversation between other people or it's directly um you know spoken to us believe that or we just assume it and we take it on board and we allow it to impact our beliefs, our values, and ultimately our actions, and in some instances, our inaction. So you may not have come back and just continue to stand there and never have that opportunity. So let's dive in. Fear and stress, as you said, they're universal experiences. And for many of us, we do allow fear and stress and anxiety to rule our lives. What are some insights you can share today? Well, I think that I really want to start with the fact that truly, there is no person alive who has not experienced fear or stress. Mm -hmm. That's a part of the human condition. In fact, our brains are wired to be able to notice and pick up on and help us to respond to stress. Yes. In, beyond that, in fact, our brains are wired a little more strongly to pick up on things that are potential dangers or potentially negative. Mm -hmm. And that developed for really good reasons. We had to be able to run away from saber-toothed tigers or whatever <laughs> other threats there were. And we still need that because as we're driving down the road, let's say, and if a car comes and is going to cut us off, we want to be able to have a quick reaction yes. that lets us put on the brakes or swerve. We want that stress mechanism. Mm. And there are things that, you know, if, I don't know, if someone comes in and is threatening us, we want to actually feel fear. We don't, we don't want to get rid of those. Yes. But what we don't want is to overuse and have too active mm -hmm. our sort of fear and stress sensors. Yes. And I think particularly for women, when we're trying to juggle so many different roles, mm -hmm. where we're trying to have a life at home and friends and a vibrant professional life, and at the same time, maybe we have children, we have a spouse, and then we're reading, oh, and you need to take care of you too. And I won't even get into all the social messages about look this way, act this way. So when you've got all of those different pieces, it automatically becomes stressful because there you are. You've got lots of different things going on and you're trying to figure out how can I make this work for me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Years ago, you know, there was this idea of what I, I think many of us have come to realize was the myth of superwoman. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't put out as a myth. It was go ahead, be superwoman, be phenomenal at everything. Yes. And then everyone tried to do everything without taking care of themselves. And that's where we discovered it was a myth that that wasn't going to happen. Mm. And I've shifted that a little. So when I work with the women that I work with through my executive coaching practice, as well as the students I teach in my graduate courses, mm. I really talk to them about taking more of a Wonder Woman perspective. Mm. And the reason for that is that Wonder Woman knows her value. Yes. Wonder Woman, when we think of the character, she absolutely says, I am strong, I am independent, but I also have connections to other people. Mm. It's not just me on my own. Mm -hmm. And she works in tandem with other people. Yes. And one of the other things I love about Wonder Woman is not everything goes right in her life. And that's really important because 
life is not smooth sailing. Mm. It can't be for any of us. And part of, I think, the way that we can most effectively approach our life is to say, yeah, there's going to be ups and downs. Mm. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to learn to ride the waves. I'm going to learn to say, how do I make sure that I am taking care of me, that I'm on my priority list, right up there, scheduled in with the other things that are priorities, mm -hmm. and that I learn to say no, that I learn to treat myself the way that I would treat somebody else that I really love or respect. Yes. And that, for me, is one of the key elements, because the more stressed we get, I think what we tend to do, and again, particularly as women, and women leaders very much so, are so used to making things work collaboratively for everyone else. But then in our head, the messages that we get are things like, oh, I'm not good enough, I can't do that. That's where that imposter syndrome or comparison, all of those things come in. And if we ever once, if we sort of tape recorded the things that are in our own head and imagined listening to that and saying to that to someone else who's a work colleague or a loved one, we would never talk no, that way. Never. Ever. No. I love what you're saying because it's such an important reminder that every single one of us has moments where, as you said, we're trying to do a lot of things, but we have to realize that whatever we're working on it is important and, and to, to focus on that and, and not to try and be all things to all people. Because often we can assume, and as we're looking around, that everyone else has got it together and often we don't realize that you know what she may have that together in that aspect of her life but there may be other aspects at the moment that she's not working on and and, and I think where it's really important is to not allow that to worry you and to feel shame and, and guilt I think guilt and shame are two emotions I mean I years ago and this probably sounds ridiculous but I decided guilt was an, a wasted emotion because what I would, it is, is say, okay, can I, can I take charge of this? Can I do something different? No, it's not in my control at the moment. Okay, it's okay. And then it's like if the other person, whatever they decide to, how they think about it, that's on their shoulders, that not mine. And it really has freed me up. Let's talk a little bit about that because I hear so many women get stuck in that whole guilt thing as well. And that's all like an added emotion, which really we're weighing ourselves down with. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Mm. So one of the central things that I tell people is, here's the good news and the either good news or bad news, depending on how you look at it. Mm. You are the one person who is responsible for your thoughts, feelings, and actions. Mm -hmm. And you are not responsible, even when you want to be, for anyone else's thoughts, feelings, and actions. Yes. And no one else is responsible for your thoughts, feelings, and actions. Mm. So... Whatever the interaction is, if you walk into a store and you think that the person who is attending to you is being rude, that's not a time to say, oh, what's wrong with me? Mm. That's a time to say, hmm, that's a person who's in charge of their thoughts, feelings, and actions, and I'm in charge of my own. Mm -hmm. But it's the same thing in a work setting. So if you have a boss or a colleague who's interacting in a way where you're not really comfortable they're not making you feel a particular way. Mm -hmm. That's really your choice yes. in how you want to perceive the situation and what you want to do. And I agree that I don't think that there's anything to be gained from guilt other than whatever the initial learning lesson is. Mm. So something happens, it doesn't go the way we want or we're uncomfortable or we wish it had gone differently. Great. Look at it look at it briefly assess hmm, is there something that I could have done differently mm -hmm. and the, the marker that I use is 
was I being my best self, mm -hmm. the best that. self that I have to bring in that moment? Mm -hmm. If I was, that's all I can do. And then move forward. If there is something, and there is so often something that we can change or amend, great. Take that learning episode in and apply it going forward. But that's it. Holding on to that mm -hmm. emotion of guilt really just keeps us facing back into the past. Yes. We don't want to do that. And we don't want to be anticipating the future. That just causes stress. Mm -hmm. The only thing, in fact, we can do is live in this moment right now. So I think we have to let go of guilt and let go of stress and sort of say, well, here I am. I've got the knowledge of everything that I've been through. Mm. I'm in charge of me. <laughs> what I tell my coaching clients is you are the CEO of you. Yeah. So be that. Yeah. Right? So important. Right. Yeah. Something I love about that and, and how you've explained that, and I think for people who are listening and watching, go back. And if you are watching and, and listening to the recording, go back and listen to it again. There are so many core principles to that. Because sometimes what can happen is other people, and I've got a red flag that goes up and I just kind of smile on the inside. They try through their words and their behavior um, create a situation where you are pressured into doing something or saying something because of guilt and, and you know or kind of you know oh well if someone could step up and help us or whatever it might be in any situation it's kind of like well no and that's where we really need to be so solid and confident isn't it and really and we're going to talk in a moment about our inner chatter because other people if we don't we don't have those solid boundaries we can have other people's issues and you know um, unhelpful beliefs impact us so we're yeah it can be a, a whole gamut of uh, very interesting relationships and things going yes. on there for sure and we really do i mean i just mm. want to uh underline what you just said yeah. about having limits and boundaries mm. to things, right? Because it's so often, and I see this in work settings all the time, yes. where someone says, hey, we need someone to lead thus and such. Mm -hmm. And then there's silence and people are trying to lower their eyes and not like, don't pick me kind of mm. thing. And then often as women, because we're so used to being collaborative, which is fabulous mm. and being cooperative, which is a fantastic way to be and we don't want other people to feel bad and we think okay well I could do that and we then say yes to something mm. where we're not in fact saying yes to ourselves yes that when we need limits and boundaries we need to actually be strong enough exactly as you put to say you know I appreciate or thanks for asking or thanks for thinking of me but mm. that's not something I'm to I'm able to take on right now yeah you no know? come back to me the next time or I'm happy to talk to you mm -hmm. about other ways that I might be able to help other than that. Yes. And I was actually just interviewed particularly about the issue of saying no and how do you say no mm -hmm. when everybody else is sort of putting some pressure on and expecting that you'll do it and literally leading to that inner voice that says, oh, what are they going to think of me if I say no? Yes, I love that. I remember uh, years ago, a colleague would often um, run out of time and that was because of their mismanagement of time and they'd leave things to the last minute. And this is where we really need to, to, to practice, I think, so that we can say things with confidence and an assertiveness that can also be quite empowering. And so I remember, I was quite young back then saying, you know, this is interesting. It seems that, you know, when we're getting to 
a deadline, there are things that are often let, you know, let, um, still to be done. So I'm wondering, maybe we can just take a step back and look at how you're doing the process so that you don't get to a stage. Because unfortunately, I'm not able to help you. I mean, I, and something like that. I mean, I really wanted to say no, you know, but, but sometimes you just need to do that. And that's the same with clients, demanding clients who maybe paid for a certain package, but continuously come, I want more and more, or they don't show up for appointments and all those sorts of things. We need to take control and everything that you said today can really relate um, beautifully to, to those situations. Let's talk about how we talk to ourselves. That inner critic, that inner voice, the assumption, um, you know, that, and, and I don't know if you've had this, um, Christina, I mean, sometimes you have these conversations in your head. If she says this, I'm going to say that. And if he does that, and then I'll stop and go, do you realise you've just wasted five minutes on a conversation that may not even occur and you're all flustered, you know, and... Oh, help us. <laughs> yeah, I think that we spend a lot of time worrying about other people's opinions. Mm. And I'm not saying that there's no value to what other people think. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Both at home, at work, in our personal life, there are opinions of other people that matter. But it doesn't matter more than our core beliefs or who we see as our best self, mm. or what we believe is manageable or doable for us. And often, I think that we engage in those conversations when we're trying to imagine, hmm, how can I, how can I say this or say no to that mm -hmm. without that person being mad at me mm. or upset with me, or I'm afraid they won't like me. Yes. And I think it also brings in what I often talk about is, and you referenced this earlier, sort of the Facebook life, because there's a lot of comparison that goes on. People will look on social media mm -hmm. and they'll see someone posting about something and they'll think, oh, look at that. They have that. Why don't I? Yes. And so we sort of tie together both comparison to other people, which is not based on anything other than really what someone posts. I, and I particularly mention that because I have a personal preference to only post inspiring things or things that mm. I feel are successes or wins for me or someone else. But that's because that's the energy I wanna put out in the world. It's not because that's the whole story of my life. Yes. It's a very conscious choice. Mm -hmm. And so if someone were to look at the things I put on social media, they could instantly say, oh, look at her, not a care in the world. I'm like, of course not, I'm human. Of course I have cares in the world. Yes. And of course, there are those times mm -hmm. that either we've had an interaction or we're anticipating an interaction and we begin to think, hmm, mm -hmm. how can this go? What I think we can always do to get out of, and really it is a waste of time, to mm -hmm. get out of keeping that sort of interminable internal chatter and focusing on the moment is a couple of breaths and sort of saying, you know, what's my position? Mm -hmm. Do I know my position? Right? So if literally what we're determining is, oh, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Like if they were to ask me about thus and such or to do something, mm, I don't really know what I think. And figure out your position. Mm. If you know what you think, then here's my best advice, which is you take a breath and you speak from the heart. Mm -hmm. And you speak with what I call radical honesty, mm -hmm. right? which is heart-centered radical honesty. That's not cruelty and it's not being blunt. Yes. It's saying, what's the message you really want to give someone? Mm -hmm. And so you take a breath, you settle into the moment, you're in your heart and you say, well, what I really want them to know is blah, blah, blah. 
then that's what you tell them. Mm. And what I've found, and literally at this point, it's been over 25 years of working with people, speaking, doing coaching, teaching, and I have found that I don't ever go wrong when I'm using the approach of heart-centered radical honesty. Yes. So it, this has nothing to do with being critical or putting someone down mm -hmm. in any way, right? Mm -hmm. And so it, it's being clear, but also owning whatever my position is yes. and being just as willing if I discover that I've missed something or that I'm not right mm -hmm. to go back and say, you know what? I thought about this or I discovered this and hey, I want you to let you know I wasn't right about that or I got that wrong, mm -hmm. which again is radical honesty speaking from the heart. You can't go wrong. Yeah, I, I love that. And, you know, sometimes in the moment, if there is a situation and we can react and we don't go through that process of, of taking a breath and centering and saying, what is it that I want them to, to know? It's quite okay. And I've done this previously where we've actually just sort of said, well, I need to think about this and then come back to a later time because we don't have to respond there because often that reaction can be something that we think, because once it's out there, it's out there and you might have to do some more talking around that little damage control, if you will. But it is a very important because then we can have a conversation and how we pre-frame something and communicate uh, with that heart-centered approach will have a, an outcome, I uh, would imagine, that is beneficial for all parties in, involved. Yeah, for Absolutely. sure. And, you know, one of the things that I think we then tend to think of as weaknesses are either, oh, I'm not sure, let me think about it, mm. right? not having this response. Yes. And then the other thing I think that we think of often as a weakness is this idea of it's not okay to ask for help. Mm. And to my mind, both of those are connected. Yes. Because absolutely, if, if I'm hit with something out of the blue and I feel a reaction, but I don't I haven't thought through what I want to say. Mm -hmm. It's perfect opportunity to say, you know, I want to give that some thought. Yes, that's a that's an important question, or or you're really bringing up a big topic. I want to give that some thought. Mm -hmm. I'll get back to you. Yeah. Similarly, is someone asks for something, or you've got a task to do, and it is so phenomenal and important to be able to say, mm -hmm. hey, I could really use some help with this. Instead of thinking, oh, of course I have to do it on my own. Absolutely not. not. None of us can do everything on our own. And I think that when we can say to somebody, hey, you know what? I'm really challenged with this or I really got a lot to do. Would you be able to help? And then be clear about what could be helpful, mm -hmm. which could be, could you take a five-minute break and just sort of listen and let me talk out loud so that I can see if I've got the bullet points? Or could you help with this particular task? Whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. When we're clear and when we ask, here's the thing. The other person generally feels really validated mm -hmm. in their own importance. Yes. And you also leave the opportunity open for them to be empowered and say, I hear that that's important. I'm not able to do that right now, or I, I'm happy to get back to you. Mm -hmm. Because just as we don't necessarily want to answer in the moment, or we need to set boundaries, that's true for everyone else. That we're view really viewing people from this equal, empowered, person-to-person -person way that says, I'm not going to take it badly or feel rejected if someone can't help me, yeah. nor am I going to feel that I can't set a boundary for myself. Both of those are what 
independent, autonomous, empowered people do. Yeah, love that. Let's talk about the comparison because it's so easy when we're looking at Instagram or Facebook to see a post or a selfie. I don't take selfies because I don't have the time. And and also because I, I want to share something first, something humorous, and then let's talk about this rewiring because it's so important, rewiring of the brain. I saw a, a, a behind-the-scenes photo of a young young woman who, who showed the selfie picture and it looked fantastic fantastic but the way she was lying um, then she, they took behind the scene shot they gave they actually explained how many shots she took the different angles the lighting and when you saw it from the full version it, she was just really lying so awkwardly and it really they wanted to share that because of the fact that so often we look at these images and think wow why can't I look like that and it's because you really need to be I don't know what's that word, word for someone who can a contortionist or something be able to right, exactly oh, so to help us because I know so many women have got an incredible message to share or they really do have the ability to step up and lead a project or even in their business but they're playing small or not at all because they're comparing themselves to what others are doing and that's keeping them stuck what can we do well so first of all there's only one you mm. whoever you are and that means you are absolutely bringing some very unique skills, talents, and combination of knowledge that's different from anybody else. And I think one of the comparison things that come in is we say, oh, there's this person and this person, they have all of this knowledge or fame or recognition, whatever it is, mm -hmm. what do I have to offer? And there's always something that every single person has to offer. And I can truly tell you that I have learned literally Every single person I've ever worked with has significantly added to my own awareness and my knowledge mm. and my growth because everybody has something that's going to be of value, even yes. when they don't think that. And so I think that's part of stepping in mm. to not playing small and to being who you are. Mm. And one of the other things that I think about is that in reality, well, as I said before, none of us have a perfect life. Mm. And so we can't. We can't be fooled into thinking because this looks a particular way that that's all there is to it. It isn't. So here's one of the tips about rewiring our brain. Mm -hmm. One is that the number one strongest burst of dopamine, dopamine is the thing that helps us feel good. Mm. The strongest burst of dopamine we can get is through laughter. Right. So when we can add laughter into our day, and it can be as simple as just starting to laugh. Mm -hmm. I do this all the time because I will just start laughing with people. And then I can't help it because you just break into yes. laughing. It's infectious. So right. When we add laughter in, we're automatically giving our brain and our entire nervous system, our whole body, mm -hmm. right, as well as our thinking mind, mm -hmm. a shot of feeling better. And that positions us to be able to live bigger. Mm. The other thing about rewiring is whatever we repeat, that's what we strengthen. Mm -hmm. So if we're thinking all the time, I'm no good, they're better than me, I'm no good, the more yeah. we think that, the more we're strengthening the neural pathway that says, oh, I'm no good. Mm. We don't wanna do that. We wanna create new pathways, and that's what neuroplasticity is all about. Our brains and the cells in our brains grow all the time yes. it doesn't just stop when we're 25 right we're continually have new growth and we continually have the ability to learn new things and create new pathways mm. super super powerful 
So then we want to be intentional about what's the pathway that we're reinforcing because it, there's no judgment in the mind. The mind does not say, oh, hmm, I like that neural pathway, so I'm going to reinforce that instead of that one. Mm-hmm. What the mind does is it says, oh, this is the pathway that I'm repeating. That's the pathway I strengthen. Oh, yes. And it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. So really, we can rewire by saying, so I want to say, I am enough. Mm. then that's what I want to do. So, And that's where I bring in breathing because breathing helps us come back to that moment. And this literally can be two slow breaths. Mm-hmm. We are not talking, you now need to go do 40 minutes of meditation. Yes. Two sl- slow breaths recenters us in the moment. So we feel something. We begin a comparison. We begin to feel not enough. We stop. We take a breath. And if we say, I am enough, Mm-hmm. And then if we add a little laughter into it, we what we're doing is automatically, intentionally, and consciously strengthening a new neural pathway mm-hmm. that that's going to be our go-to through a lot of practice rather than the I'm not enough, I'm not good enough. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. And, and, and just finish off by sharing with us when we are strengthening a, a new neuro pathway, neural pathway, it takes a little bit of time, doesn't it? So don't give up if the following day, again, that, that unhelpful belief or thought comes to, to, to the fore. Then we just repeat it and continue doing it. it what's the, 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 um, the saying or the time frame that it takes to create a new habit or maybe around the, the, the new neural pathway? Is there a, a general yeah, so, time frame? Right, there's like that 28 to 30 days kind of sure. thing to get a new habit. Very briefly, here's the example I give to people when I'm explaining it. Yeah. The pathway you have now, let's say the pathway to I'm not good enough, that's like a neural superhighway. Yeah. And so the, the road has been paved and you can drive really fast and it's got good upkeep. Mm. Not necessarily good for you, but that's a, a, a well-traveled path. Yes. When you're creating a new pathway, it's like you've got a brand new meadow. And first you walk across the meadow and you push down the grass and you have to keep walking the same pathway. Mm-hmm. And eventually all the grass gets matted down and then eventually it's a dirt road and then it widens and mm-hmm. then you have to put gravel down and then put the blacktop down. And you can turn that into the new super highway mm-hmm. because while you're doing this, you're not using the other one. So it's falling into disrepair. Yes. But I use that example because it really does take time and repetition Mm. and it is so simple because it comes down to the whatever you repeat that's what you strengthen so it's not a one and done Mm. the tagline that I say to people all the time is these are processes that are simple not easy Mm. absolutely and I love that very uh, simple to conceptualize (laughs) but it takes a lot of repetition yeah we can send in the bulldozers to that unhelpful um, pathway highway that we want to eliminate yes. as we're building the new one. But I think, as you said, it's that reminder. And maybe that's why it's so helpful to have various, um, you know, sayings around your room or where you know you're going to, you know, um, be reminded of it. Because every time you say, oh, yeah, that's right. And it reminds you over and over again um, as you are rewiring Fantastic. Just brilliant listening to everything you shared today, uh, Christina. If people are listening and watching and would love to find out more, what's the best way for them to connect with you and even get a copy of your book? Oh, absolutely. So uh, they can reach me at my website, which is drchristinahallett.org. 
And uh, my book is on Amazon and in bookstores. That's the first book, which is Own Best Friend, Eight Steps to a Life of Purpose, Passion, and Ease. And just as of the end of last week, my second book is out on pre-order. It's already a bestseller, which is pretty exciting. exciting. Second book is called Be Awesome, Banish Burnout, Create Motivation, from the inside out. Oh, I love that. I love that. And of course, uh, more details go to the link that uh, Christina shared and we'll put all of the contact details and also your social um, your social platforms on the show notes to ambitiousentrepreneurnetwork.com forward slash W-I-L 85. Christina, thank you so much for coming to the show. Um, as I said, it was uh, so important. So many of us, we can start to you know, really reinforce, build and reinforce stronger neural pathways to eliminate any of those unhelpful beliefs that uh, are keeping us stuck, but also to really strengthen our boundaries and uh, our inner confidence. And I love that whole laughter because, you know, sometimes it's good to watch those little mini videos on Facebook, you know, the ones that you, and sometimes they're just a couple of seconds. So you watch them again and again and they are hilarious. Um, and that's good to know that it's actually good to watch those videos because you're creating dopamine. Which Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Thank you so much, Emery. This was such a pleasure. I had so much fun. I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, maybe we'll have to come and get you back on the show and uh, we can dive into your new book. Maybe in the, the next couple of months or so, reach back out and uh, we can That'd dive into great. that. So I think burnout is something that we can all relate to and uh, certainly would uh, benefit from strategies and tips and insights in that area too. But for now, thanks for coming on the show. All right. Take care. You've been listening to Women in Leadership Podcast, brought to you by BeTheDifferenceMovement.com. Changing the world, one message at a time. Do you feel called to influence real change with your message? Join our supportive community of like-minded influencers, thought leaders, and disruptors at www.BeTheDifferenceMovement.com. That's BeTheDifferenceMovement.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.